0: welcome to the bridge church podcast our purpose statement at bridge church is to reach people where they are and help them grow we hope today's message inspires you towards growth and we pray it's life changing and we hope to see you soon father we thank you for the honor to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth we're grateful that we get to see people be baptized today and make a declaration of their love for Jesus publicly. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us during this time. Speak to us, change us, and make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, I'm dealing with a little bit of limited time today. I do want to thank everybody who prayed for me Uh, as I came back from Guatemala. I had some kind of bug and it put me down for about 10 days. So, grateful to be back here today with you. We are continuing on in the book of 1 Peter. And as we've traveled through the book, what we've said is these are people that are not in their homeland, all right? They are exiles. And because they are exiles, They are not accustomed to where they're at and their faith is not accepted in the community that they're a part of. It is because of that, that Peter writes them this letter and he's trying to encourage them, do not place your hope in the kingdoms of this world. Place your hope in a future kingdom. In other words, he's also trying to tell them, you were meant for another world. And if you live that way, it changes you. He talked about how we are to be holy people because we are set apart. Another way you could say that is that we should be set apart from the world because we we are set up for another world. God has a whole nother space for us. So as we look to King Jesus to transform our lives, we are forever changed. He's talked about, Peter has talked about how we should be distinct in how we deal with the government. Pastor Rasul dealt with that last week. He also mentioned how we should be distinct in how we deal with our employer. And today, he's gonna talk about how we should be distinct in how we deal with our marriages. Now, I know that a good portion of our congregation is single, so uh, let this be a guide to you, praise God. And uh, for those of you that are are married, I want to acknowledge this is, I'm not giving you marriage tips, okay? What this is, is insight from the word of God for how marriage was intended, all right? So how it was designed. So this is not a podcast and all that other stuff. This is the word of God. And so like anything, if you read the instructions, your life will be better, right? And so if you look at the word of God, we will be able to tailor our lives to what he has intended for us. Everybody wants to find somebody that makes them happy or happier. And marriage, you generally marry somebody that makes you happy. Whether you're Christian or not, they make you happier than you were. You feel better about yourself because you're with them. So at core, marriage is about companionship. That's all marriages. But Christian marriage is distinct. Because it is not only intended to make us happy, it is intended to make us holy. Christ's likeness is one of the core intentions of Christian marriage, that we would look more like him. And as we are looking more like him, we are more set apart, we are more distinct. So we're going to look at several passages, along with First Peter to look at the design of marriage and how marriage should look different in our households. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 if you have your Bible. We'll enter down to 1 Peter in a second. But turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, or it should be up on the screens. Are there screens? This is one screen. Okay, one screen. One Lord, one faith, one screen. So... Uh, Genesis chapter two, it says, then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. If you jump down to verse 20 of that same chapter, he talks about him naming the livestock and it says, but for Adam, there was not a, there was not found a helper fit for him. So here God designs all of the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars. Then there are people and here you have Adam with animals. And amongst those animals, Adam does not find companionship, connection, relationship. And the phrasing that is used is a helper fit for him. The word there could be understood as suitable. And the word is actually doesn't mean same. It actually means opposite, but opposite in that if you were to take a a a cup and it had a top on it and you would have put the top on it. The top looks very different than the cup itself, but it fits. And that's the imagery that it has, is that it fits together. So he makes a woman that fits the man. Anatomically, they fit. Personalities fit. That's the intention. It is an intimate, romantic companionship that he creates in man and woman. When he creates this, it is intended to be far different than any other kind of relationship that he has. If you look in Genesis 22 and 23, the next part, man says, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Feel the weight of Adam saying at last. The word there is written in poetry. He is saying, I have finally found someone. I mean, that's not a duck. I mean, he was around nothing but animals. But he's finally found someone that connects with him. This is essentially what happens when people get married. They feel like they found somebody that they finally can connect with, can go deep with, that understands them, that fits. In many ways, when you date, you're trying to find someone that fits, that connects, that you love. This is why, this is not a dating talk, and I'm gonna move on, but this is why it's important that you date around other people. Because there are times that you walked out the house looking crazy and no one told you, that don't fit. (laughs) And in the same way, people date by themselves and people are like, that don't fit. That don't, that's not working. So it's important that you do life in community. Now, what we see here is in Adam a euphoria, an excitement about this connection he has with the woman. But I want to say that I know that there are many singles here and you might be thinking about marriage, but I want to say that God has intended in this passage companionship to be lived out through marriage. But this is the beginning of a family. And not everyone will be married, but everyone is made for family. Everyone's made for community. And so we can live out Christ-likeness, if not in marriage, but in community. The imagery that we see going from here is not just companionship. In the rest of the New Testament, we see Christ-likeness, how to be more like Jesus. If you look in the book of Ephesians chapter five, verse 31 and 32, it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. So I want you to see that second part there. He says, He quotes, Paul quotes Genesis, and he says, The two shall become one. This is a journey towards oneness. That means the two can't be the same on this journey because they're becoming something different. They're becoming one. They are transforming. And Paul, look in verse 32, in verse 32, Paul says, It's a mystery. The way that this relationship works where two people are becoming one, it's a mystery. And he says, it's a profound mystery. That word there means big mystery. But he says, I'm here to reveal to you what this mystery is about. Look, I'm saying it refers to Christ in the church. In Christian marriage, what you see is that we play a role of glorifying God. And we live out an image of Christ And the church. And as we live out this image, we become more like Christ, and Christ is our leader. And he says that is the small picture of what's happening in marriage. He says it's not a mystery for us. We know that we are to be like Christ and we are to operate like the church. So in Christian marriage, we play roles. And not everybody likes their role. You know, uh, whenever I do premarital and I start talking about Book of Ephesians and you see words like submit, the the Zoom call always gets awkward. Amen. (laughs) My daughter, uh, she's in a she's in a play and she tried out uh, for a part. Mary Poppins. She didn't get her part. And then what they do is they put the, all the different roles on the, the gymnasium door and everybody runs up and everybody, I wanted to be this person and that person. And they run up there and they're like, oh, I didn't get the part I wanted. And everybody gets sad. And in a lot of ways, we've treated marriage where men play the part of Jesus and they're like, see, I'm the leader. And women see the part of the church and they're like, I guess I'm the follower. And in many ways, women look at that and say, I don't like my part. If this is what the Bible is saying, I don't like this idea of me following you. But I want you to know, if we look at the man leading like a man leading like a CEO, we're missing the picture of what Jesus is trying to do in the text. The leadership role of a man in a marriage is nothing that we see in a business. And it's nothing that we see on a team. He's not a coach. He's a savior. So what we see then is in Ephesians 5, verse 25, it says, husbands, love your wives. That's a command to love. As Christ loved the church, that's the command, love. But then he gives a picture of what love looks like. It says, and gave himself up for her. I just want you to pause for a second, gave himself up for her, for her. We see in Jesus, someone who dies, who is holy, who has never sinned, but he gives himself up for sinful people. He gives up his body. And therefore, the design of marriage is that men would not only give themselves to their career, That they would not give themselves to achievements. But there should be a clear sense that a woman walks away thinking, that man sacrifices for me. He doesn't just do things for the home, he does things for me. I am loved, I am cared for, I am protected in this home. The imagery there, there therefore, men, is for us to realize that we play a sacrificial role in the relationship in this play called marriage. And in this sacrificial role, we do hard things. That's what it means to be a sacrificial leader. You do hard things. Men play the role of Jesus by initiating hard things so that their wife can thrive. You see, sacrificial leadership means I apologize first. I repent first. I obey first. If we're out of money, I get the job first. I do whatever. If there's something hard that's happening in my home, I do it first because we are looking at a sacrificial leader. It is so important That we say things like this because there's a tendency to want to take away roles in marriage. And part of that is because of male chauvinism in the culture. Where men have always been first. And so we want to dilute that message by saying we're all the same. And I'm saying we're all equal but we're not all the same. Men and women are equal but they don't play the same role. Men, you, women, you want a protector. This is what God's designed you for. At 2 o'clock in the morning, if somebody's trying to bust in your house, y'all equal right there? No. Brother, get the gap. Go to the door. Go to the door. Like, well, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't want to. Let's flip a coin. So, so part of the problem is we've created this imagery of men first, like head of the table. And, and, and in Christian marriage, men aren't the first serve; They're the first to serve. They initiate service. And so single men, if, if you want to prepare for marriage, sacrificially serve men and women in a way, even if you don't get recognition, it'll train you for marriage. This is better than a podcast. <laughs> Peter, Peter is actually married, different than Paul, who was never married. So if you look at the texts that have Paul involved, they're more theological, but Peter is more practical. So Peter will say in first Peter chapter three, verse seven, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So what you'll miss, if you read that, you'll see show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. And there's a tendency to only for us to see the word weaker. And presume that just means weaker person. But there is a very clear detail that Peter adds, vessel. And he's thinking of like fine china like a, like a vase or a container, that there's a certain level of fragility that is beautiful about women. That if I wanted to just cook, I'd get a skillet out. If I wanna put that food away, I'd get Tupperware, but if I wanna present something beautiful, I'd put it on fine china. But I can't treat a skillet like fine china. I can't treat fine china like Tupperware. I've got to hold gently because it is beautifully designed but delicate. And don't presume just because a woman comes across like a skillet, she's not fine china. Many women, many women have had to learn how to fight for themselves so the, so the hardness that you see, I'm telling you right now, the hard, hardness that you see will melt if you gently love her. If you gently love her. So, so the imagery there is, look at what it says. It's, it's, if she's it's, if if lesser than, then he wouldn't say, show honor. Show honor to her as the weaker vessel. In other words, lift her up. Do not manipulate her because she may have a deeper sense of emotion than you. Show honor to her. My wife creates the emotional energy of the home, the thoughtfulness of the home. But my wife is tough. And so you may, so I may think, so I'll say something like, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, yes, I wouldn't do it, but we're not made the same. One of the things that men, you, you must understand is that the way that women are made, even though you have, when you get married, you say, I do, there's a part of, of women inside of them that feel this phrase, do you? Do you? Do you still love me? Do you still care for me? And in the years that I've counseled men and women, I've found that women think about the relationship far more than men. If you were to ask my wife over the last 10 years, what are things y'all have worked through? or what do you, How much have you thought about the marriage? You could, you could literally fit how much I think about the marriage on like a fortune cookie. Like I just don't, I just don't think about the relationship that much I'm like we're good cuz you know you know I love you girl <laughs> wife thinks about it all the time all the time it's different we're made different and if i'm silent and i'm absent or unavailable it makes her feel unprotected she needs constant assurance She needs to be told that she's loved. She needs to be held and told that she's loved. She needs to be pursued. Because my job is to make sure I protect her. And I just want you to note there in 1 Peter 3, at the end of that, he says, make sure you do this since you're heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. The Bible is literally saying, if you don't pay attention to your wife, God doesn't pay attention to your prayers. Because he is making sure. So, so think about that. Maybe some of the frustration in your career is that you're not paying attention to your home. Literally, he says, your prayers are hindered because you do not honor your wife as the weaker vessel. And so, gentlemen, the goal then is to protect her. Not to say, I wouldn't do that. or I, I, I would never be that way. Of course, y'all are different. But you protect her emotionally by pursuing her and caring for her. Your job is to protect. Ladies, y'all got really loud on that section. And so then likewise. <laughs> Ephesians, Ephesians five, Ephesians five twenty-two. Ephesians five. Ephesians five. Ephesians five, Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 twenty-two. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, there are pastors that are shooketh to say stuff like this from the, from the pulpit. And, and part of it is, again, it's male chauvinism because it's, what it's basically saying is, women, y'all just get in line. And I want you to understand the word submit there is the Greek word hupotasso. And what it, what it means is to come behind. And, but it is a voluntary Word, like in the military, of going behind someone. Can you imagine being in Target and you want to get to the checkout counter and as you have whatever you have, your eggs and your milk and you're going behind, you know, you're trying to get into the checkout line. There's a line. There's a bunch of lines. Don't you choose which line you go to? For the most part. Work with the analogy, praise the Lord. (laughs) Can you imagine someone in line saying, get behind me? You'd be like, why would I get behind you? I'm going to get behind whoever I want to get behind. That's how weird it is when men say, submit to me. Because the the text is not saying a man telling a woman to submit. It's a woman wanting to follow. Because when you get in a checkout line, you're really not trying to get in line. You're trying to get to the checkout and a woman wants to follow because she's really trying to get to the Lord. She says, submit as unto the Lord. So really, I see your life aligning to Christ, and so I'd like to follow that because you're following him. I would follow you because I see you following him. So that's what the essence of submission is intended to be. Peter, again, speaking more practically, says, likewise, wives be subject, a similar imagery of submit. But then he gives us some practical detail of what that looks like. So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. And look in verse two, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. There have literally been times when I've been counseling women and I'll read this text and I'm like, you know, women are called to respect. And you could just see this visceral tension that comes into the room. Because when you tell a when you tell a man, hey, you need to love your wife. Everybody's like, yeah, women, you need to respect. It's like, oh, I don't know. We got to see. And part of that idea is we think men should give unconditional love, but we could not ever imagine giving unconditional respect. We could never imagine wanting to give a man the respect he so desires. When, when it says your respectful and, and pure conduct, ladies, what it's getting at is that men need to feel respected to thrive, just like women need to feel loved to thrive. Respect does something to the soul of a man. If he feels admired in his home, a man will trade respect over romance any day because he wants to feel as if there's an energy in his house that believes in him, that sees him, that knows he's been working hard. And within the heart of many men, there is this belief that my judgments, my abilities and my accomplishments aren't good enough. And what many men need is to feel the sense of value in the home. And it is with words and actions that women can lift up the soul of men, many men just really struggle with this idea. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Do I make the right decisions? And so the opposite of respect is contempt. There have been times when I've been in uh, counseling sessions and I can see the man holding back anger. Right? We could, I can could see the man holding back anger. Because when a man gets angry, everything changes. But sometimes there can be moments where a woman unleashes her anger because he's big, he's strong. And let me tell you ladies, he can't take it. Because the last thing you want is for that brother to get silent, distant, and to remove himself. And so the imagery of contempt is to jump on the little things he may do to bring up constantly the little things he may do or the big mistakes he's made. But in many ways, your words will either lift him up or bring him down. There's a real reason why Peter said, even if they don't believe in the word, they may be one without a word. He's talking about words Respect with words. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 and 9, it's better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome quarrelsome woman. That's what the Bible says. And so the imagery is a man not able to be in his home so he goes to the rooftop. Nuh-uh, not the rooftop, the corner of the rooftop. <laughs> and what is he doing? He's getting distance from his wife. Because though he loves to live with her, he can't stand being around her. And one of the things that we, we want is, whenever, I, whenever I'm teaching on marriage, everybody, you know, it's like, get the men. Well, yes, they need to lead but they need to be believed in. So many men leading homes have not seen a picture of a man leading a home. And the level of insecurity that brother walks around with is unimaginable. And what he needs to feel is that in his home, I'm winning. And he might be losing out there, but he's winning in his home. And he feels like there's someone that believes in him and believes the future for him with his words. That they would be respected. My wife. um, Y'all remember the pandemic? Praise the Lord. Remember that? That was my televangelist career. Um, It was a really odd time because. I would preach and normally I get some reaction. And all I had was, you know, Dustin, our cameraman, like. <laughs> so it was it was a struggle. But everybody was on live, right? And you know, we had the comment section and the people are doing fire emojis and <laughs> this Sunday was So last Sunday he put two fire emojis, this Sunday he put one. (laughs) Just trying to tell you the struggle was real. But every time I got done with the message, my wife would text me, fire emojis. Seriously. I was not anticipating a clap there, but that's true. And one time she didn't text me. I came home look, I came home. So I'm I'm, you know, I get done with the sermon, people are like, good job, Pastor. Jim. I'm thinking. Everybody's saying good job. I'm like, why didn't I get my fire emoji? I come home and I'm like, hey, 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 hey. Did you watch the sermon? She was like, "Yeah." I was like, "What'd you think?" She was like, "It was good." I was like, "Um You 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 um Um I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to but um You you didn't um You didn't do that. You know how you you know how you text me after?" She was like, "Yeah." I was like, "You didn't do that." She was like, you want to do that? I was like, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. She was like, I'll never forget. She was like, but if every, listen, if everybody in there is telling you good job, why? And, and it just, I was like, her fire emojis are more important to me than your fire emojis. In fact, this is true. If everyone in here told me I did a great job. If the whole church levitated after the sermon. But my wife if I get in the car with my wife, she goes, it was cool. That thing will rock me. But if everybody was silent, and if everybody was not into it, but my wife sent me that fire emoji, I'm going to make it. Ladies. Your words are powerful. And I want you to know, if you want him to be a better man, speak his life into being a better man. Speak his life into being a better man. If he's not doing something, speak his life into the man you want him to be. And so we have this very dangerous cycle, right? I don't respect him because he don't protect me. I don't protect her because she don't respect me. I don't respect him because he don't protect me. I don't protect her because he don't respect me. And you've got this crazy cycle happening in the home. Protect, respect, protect, respect, protect, respect, protect, respect. But when two people decide, you know what? I'm going to protect you. And when the wife says, I'm going to respect you. Through the storms of life, through the ups and downs of life. There's a setting apart that happens in that home that's distinct. And you've been at a restaurant. You looked over at a couple. and They they got some protect respect going on. (laughs) Look at them. And kids know when protect and respect are in the house. And so men... Think about saying this, well one, for those that are married, um, think about what affected you, not what you thought affected your partner when you leave. Amen? Like, did you hear that one part? That was so for you. (laughs) When you walk, these are instructions. When you leave out of here, talk about you not what you think the other person should do. And men, here's what I want you to say. I want you to feel protected by my words and my actions. Men, you got that? I want you to say that to her. I want you to feel protected by my words and my actions. And then women, I want you to say, I want you to feel respected by my words and my actions. Now you could be in the middle of a tornado-like conversation, but brothers, if you just pause for a second, put your hand out and touch her and say, honey, I know this is crazy, but I want you to feel protected by my words and my actions. And if you put your hand on him and say, I want you to feel respected by my words and my actions, it'll create such a beauty in the home that everyone will feel it. Now, the good news, as I mentioned before, is that marriage is a beautiful thing, but marriage will not be for everyone. But Jesus is for everyone. And Jesus is the one that protects you when you feel insecure. And because of the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have intrinsic value. So if no one in the world respects you, you know you have value and worth from the king. I wonder if you'd stand with me. For those of you that are married today, I pray the Lord would use the message to change your life and use it in your life. But there are some here that you may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, as the one that I spoke to that sacrificed his life and gave himself up. And I wanna offer you today If you are not sure, I'm not talking about church attendance, I'm not talking about membership, I'm talking about you and Jesus. If you are unsure of your relationship with Jesus, Jesus calls us the bride of Christ and he loves us in such a wonderful way. And so you may be wanting, you may walk out of here and say, I wanna be married. No, no, get with Jesus first. Get Jesus. If you don't get anything, get Jesus. I want to offer you today, is there anyone here that wants to make a decision for Christ? I want to offer you that today. Not membership, not anything else. You you might be thinking to yourself, I don't want to come up front or move, but I want to offer you salvation today. Is there anyone here where you want to be more sure of your relationship with God? Just come to the front right now. We will celebrate that decision. We will walk with you and pray with you and lean into Christ in your life. Is there anyone here today that wants to make that decision to know Jesus, to be intimate with him? Is there one? Is there anyone here you want to make that decision for Christ? Don't walk away unsure today. Don't walk away unsure today. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we ask you right now, change our lives, make us more like you. Allow us to see the beauty of Christ in marriage, allow us to see the beauty of Christ in our lives, and let us hold fast to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 1030 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adam Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.